Welcome to Don't Wait to Write with Amber Petty. Today, we're learning a little something. I had something all prepared for today's episode, a topic I was going to talk about, about waiting for editors. You'll hear it next week instead. But I was listening to another podcast today, and they were talking about goals and working hard on goals and somebody achieving everything by the time they were 23 and I had to turn it off because it fucking annoyed me. Now I'm not here to criticize people that get a lot of things done by the age of 23. That's great. And I'm not criticizing the podcast or the person on the podcast, which is why I'm not mentioning them because it's really not, it's not about them at all. It's about my reaction, but also how I find the talk around goal setting to sometimes be very harmful. So in this podcast and also in a book I started reading, a business-related book, both mentioned, you know, setting down goals, really connecting with themselves, setting down very specific measurable goals, going after them, and golly gumdrops, wouldn't you know it, they got all the goals by the exact time they thought they would. And that's great. Like, hooray. I believe you. But I think then a lot of the rest of us listen to that and think, oh, well, then I got to start setting goals. Got to get them goals down because that's going to change everything. But one of the realities is if you were a person who wrote down goals and then just bing, bang, bong went and got them, you'd have them already. Most likely you are part of the vast majority of the human race who makes goals and plans and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and sometimes things work out magically and some things are a horrific horror show and everything in between. So today, I just want to paint a more accurate view of what success can look like and also remind you that goals and planning, that's just not the only option. So I want to start this by telling you just a little bit about myself. Not that I am some paragon of success or, you know, oh my God, Amber did that. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I don't expect that. But I'm at like, you know a medium level of success. And there might be things where you go, hey, I wish I I would like to have maybe a business like Amber one day or a newsletter like hers or some of the bylines in places she's had. Maybe somebody out there thinks that. So I think it might be helpful to show you a realistic portrait of what got me to where everything is for me today. So I used to be a planner. Ooh, I had everything planned out. I knew from the age of six that I was going to be an actor. I was briefly torn because I wanted to be a singer and an actor. And then my mom told me that Barbara Streisand does both. And I was like, okay, cool. Phew. I was really freaking out about this at age six. But Barbara Streisand does both. So I'm sorted. No problem. And I worked at that since that age, not professionally, but I took dance classes and voice lessons and did theater in school and did community theater. And every part of my life was aimed at being a musical theater actor. I moved to New York when I was 17 to do it. I was very adamant that I would hit that goal and get everything I achieved. And I visualized it and I worked towards it. And You know, when other people were getting high, I was working three jobs and going to auditions. And I did get some things out of it, but I sure as hell didn't get everything I planned. 
My plans actually started disintegrating almost immediately. When I applied for colleges, I just applied to a few. I honestly was like, well, I'll definitely get into Juilliard, but I'll also apply to a couple other places just in case. And despite having very good grades, and God only knows what my auditions were like, really, but not horrible auditions, I got into zero of those schools. So already my plans were broken, but we found another school. I wound up still going to New York to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and moved forward. Okay, first little hiccup in the plan, but the rest of it, maybe it'll go okay. And things were fine there, and I really enjoyed my time at school. I ended up teaching at that school. I taught voice and speech for a number of years. Then I auditioned and did improv and wrote sketch shows and wrote my own web series and my own cabaret show and tried to make my own work and do all of the things. And some of those things happened. I got to be on a Herald team at UCB. I got to be the lead in a musical that was in Times Square. I got to perform in Scotland and do improv every night. You know, very exciting things. And I could frame that in a way of, I decided I wanted to be on a Herald team, and then I was. And I decided I wanted to be on stage, so I made it happen. I wanted to be in that musical improv group the first second I saw them. And a few years later, there I was on stage in Scotland. And that's true. That did technically happen. But what also happened along the way was the first time I auditioned for that musical theater group, I did not get in. They didn't even ask me to audition again the next time, but a friend got me on audition anyway, and then I got in. The show I was in, uh, that I was a lead in, was Fifty Shades of the Musical, a parody of Fifty Shades of Grey, that came up when we were in Edinburgh, and I originally thought, oh, this sounds like a stupid idea. And it was the biggest thing (laughs) I did, where I got to tour the country, and be off-Broadway, and do a cast recording, like do all these huge things I always wanted. It came from a thing where I literally was like, this sounds like a horrible idea. So that wasn't very according to plan. And then I could also tell you about all the times in between where I couldn't even get an audition or couldn't get an agent to care about me. Or I'd call an agent and they'd explain to me that I was 30 years old and that, well, oh my gosh, actors that started acting younger than you, well, they'll, they'll have more credits by the time you're 30 and you're 30. Uh, they were telling me this even though I did have theater credits but not television. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff along the way between those magical little peaks that were far from magical. In fact, they were quite shitty. And despite getting to do some cool things and do improv and do a musical. It didn't lead to more auditions. I did very little television. I had an incredibly hard time even getting to audition for a person going to the gynecologist with her leg spread staying one line. That was one that I did. I did get that audition. I didn't get that part though. And so despite all of my plans, despite all of my work, all of my visions and goals, I didn't get it at all. I was very broke, working many little jobs I didn't like. Hi, this is post-production Amber chiming in, and 
I still feel like I made this all sound too cool. So I just want to be clear. I did a show eight times a week where I made $28,000 a year. I still had to audition all the time. I still had to work two other jobs while I was doing a show eight days a week. And that was at the peak. Most of the other time I was just waiting around waiting around just to get the opportunity, yeah, like I said, to audition for a lady at the gynecologist's office, to audition for a commercial where you looked at a bunch of dresses and said, oh, wow, Ross, things like that. And again, those were the highlights. The rest of the time was wondering if I could even cut my hair because then I would have to spend at least another $600 on headshots, which would have been a literally a week's pay for doing a show eight eight times a week. So I just want to, I just needed to come back in here and illustrate a little more that going after what I thought was my dream and my goal, the reality of it had all these things that were wildly unpleasant, even for somebody expecting it to be hard in the first place. So just adding that in and feeling like I've done something wrong, even though technically I had done what I was supposed to do. Now, when I started freelance writing, when I was about 31, I could also turn it around and say I decided I was going to get into the New York Times, and I did. I could say I put a virtual post-it on my computer that I saw every day that said, I make $100,000 a year, and I did it. I want a column and I made one happen. I want to be a writer and I did it. That's true. I did do all those things. But again, what was in between? When I started freelance writing, I loved it and loved the freedom of it and getting paid for something I do, which wasn't happening wasn't happening in the acting world very much. And it was really exceptional. So I really enjoyed it. But then as it continued, I thought, okay, where could I get bigger bylines? Or what do I want? Do I want to be an editor? Or do I want more money? And so I did copywriting full time and got fired from that job or I got released from that job. They were deciding to become a Christian company. And I was let go as part of that anyway. <laughs> uh lost that job, went back to freelancing, was happy with it for a while until I felt like I just needed to be around some other people and have a little more structure in my life and went back to copywriting, even though I didn't think I would, and then started doing some workshops on a whim with an idea of, yeah, I would love to have my own business one day. And then, hurrah, those workshops worked out and I have the business I have today. So that post-it that was on my computer, that was on my computer for five years, four or five years before that ever happened. Though I did decide to write for the New York Times and did, I'd pitched them a few times beforehand to no acclaim. And I had written a whole bunch of things a thousand times less fancy than the New York Times before that byline ever came my way. So for all of that, for the ups and the downs and everything in between, not a single bit of it was according to plan. Certainly not my big life plans and certainly not something I wrote down feverishly as a young one and achieved by the age of 23. And like I said, if you did that, that's fucking amazing. I wish. I would love that to happen. 
I, I mean, I'd have to travel a ways back in time. But yeah, that would be great. But I just feel like that is how certain people are wired. Certain people are wired to make hard goals, make their smart goals that are measurable and achievable, and go after them in a very clear step-by-step way. And they get them. But I don't think that's how most people behave, especially if you are a creative. So if you're hearing these things, which we hear a lot of, of people talking about how they wrote something down and that's what, you know, Jim Carrey wrote his check out to himself for a million dollars and could cash that check a few years later. We hear that and I think sometimes we assume then it's our goals that aren't good enough or we're not putting enough time into crafting that plan. And that isn't what got anybody there, I don't think. I'd like to posit that that's maybe not necessary. Most of my life when I felt like I was banging my head against the wall, trying to do something that nobody wanted, that's when I had a very strict plan for how things had to go. And when I started to be more open to trying different things, doing experiments in my life and business, that's when things started to happen. And sure, I still have plans, I still have goals, but they aren't set in stone. I don't live my life by them. Last year, I had a goal to make $200,000 a year. Did I make that? No, I made $150,000 a year. Do I feel bad about it? Also, no. The year worked out how it needed to. I'm still pretty excited I made $150,000 from teaching incredibly nice students all the time. So even then, the goal itself really wasn't that important. It was just kind of helpful to me to have an idea that I might want the business to grow. So I'm not trying to say that nobody should make goals or set up plans or anything like that. I do think having those goals that are really meaningful to you to have those every once in a while is great because that goal to be in the New York Times was helpful to me because I was excited enough about it that I was going to try and try and try again. That goal made me want to continue. It made me want to consistently try. And that's why the goal happened. So if you have something that makes you have that energy to try consistently or the energy to just persevere when half of the plan goes to hell right away, well, then that is a delightful goal to have. But if you feel like you need this exact plan of how to go, or especially if you feel like you need to know how things are going to work out or have a plan or a road to follow before you even get started, that is the surest way to end up frustrated and getting nowhere near the stuff that's really meaningful to you. And I guess at the end of this, I just want to say like, holy shit, you just don't, that just doesn't happen very often. You don't just write everything down and it appears magically. That is the short summary version. And even for those people with magical results, God in heaven, did they have some fuck ups to get there? I just guarantee it. So I guess I just want to express my frustration at continuing to hear this from experts in the industry and continuing just to hear these like pull yourself up by your bootstraps 
and get out your fucking Tinkerbell claps to believe harder and let you know that there's just more to the story. For this one, I would love to hear back from you because I I hope this was helpful in some way or I hope at least you just share my frustration with that kind of success story um, because I'm just tired of it and I think it's not applicable or helpful to most people in the world. So I would love to hear from you if you agree or if you're like, Amber, you're full of shit. I did that goal. It was so helpful to me. I wrote everything down and that's why I'm the success I am today. Amazing. And remember, I'm also not saying, hey, everybody do what I say. I'm the most successful in the world. No, not at all. I just want to give you another example of uh, how a medium level of success can look like a real janky ass road. Okay, that's it for today. If you do want to tell me your hot takes on goals and such, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at amber at amberpetty.com. Also, share this with a friend. If you have a friend who's a writer, just give them this old link or go ahead and rate and review the podcast whenever you like. That's it for today. Can't wait to see what you write. <laughs>